Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Good morning, Movement Church. Hey, y'all are so awake this morning. Merry Christmas. So good to see everybody's faces. Listen, I don't know about you, but when I walked up this morning and, and I saw the, the Merry Christmas backdrop and I got so excited because today, I don't know if you're aware or not, Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa, I know him. And I'm so excited because I love celebrating Christmas and there's something about celebrating Christmas with family that just makes it um, even better. And so that's what church really is. We're family, right? And so I hope you've made plans to be a part of everything that's happening for Christmas this year. Make sure you grab pictures with Santa today. But really, I wanna encourage and challenge you that Christmas is one of the greatest opportunities that we have to be inviting people to come to church with us. I'm telling you, there are people all around your community that you do life with that are looking for a place to go to church on Christmas. I guarantee you, you may not know it, but I guarantee you that they're looking for something. So I just wanna challenge you, when you leave today, make sure you grab some Christmas invitations and take them and share them with the people in your world. Next Sunday, we've got the Polar Express house Happening. If you've got people with little kids that love trains, I'm telling you, they're going to want to be here. And on the Christmas Sunday, the 23rd, we're going to have some live music from Lord and Lady. We're so excited to have that. But we're really super stoked about our Christmas Eve services too. Uh, we're going to have one on Sunday night, the 23rd, and we're going to have two services on Christmas Eve at 4 and 5.30. All of these services are one-hour family services. And if you've never been to Christmas Eve at the Movement Church, I'm telling you, you're not going to want to miss it. We have such a great time together as we get to come into a place and celebrate the birth of Jesus and all the, the gifts that we have been given this Christmas season. So make sure you invite your friends. Let's get them here and let's celebrate Christmas as a church family. Are you with me? All right. Awesome. Hey, I'm going to jump right in today. I'm so excited to get to share. We're starting kind of our Christmas series and talking about the gifts that we've been given. You know, Christmas, we, we tend to focus in a lot on gifts, don't we? But I think sometimes we can lose focus of the greatest gift, the greatest gift that has been given to us through the gift of Jesus. And so that's what we're going to talk about in this series. But would you do me a favor as we're getting started? Could I pray for us before we begin? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord Jesus, God, I come to you right now, and I just thank you for every person who's in the room today. God, I know it's not by accident that they're here. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would speak to each and every person in this room. God, I pray that the message, God, though it be prepared words, God, that you would speak exactly what you have to say to every person who showed up this morning. God, I thank you for the peace and the hope and the joy and the love that is found in you. And God, we just give you all the glory as we just celebrate you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Does anybody else in the room love Christmas as much as I do? A few of you, are a few of you like Scrooge's bah humbug in here? You're not gonna raise your hand, are you? Oh no, no. I 
love Christmas. And I get so excited because Christmas to me is all about the memories. It's all about the fun things that we get to do and create. So it actually makes it extra special having kids because I love that I get to create memories with my kids. And, and so I, I really do enjoy every part of it. And I know some of you are gonna be like, what is she talking about? But I love the Christmas carols. Like I, w- I would go Christmas caroling with you if you wanted to go. No one else in my family would go Christmas caroling, but I would because I love the Christmas carol. So I will sing them wherever we go. And I love that that elf on the shelf, as annoying as he is, and as many near heart attacks that he gives parents when they wake up and have forgotten to do certain things with him. I love the elf on the shelf. I love the memories. I love the crowded stores. Believe it or not, I love the shopping. I love the gifts. I love creating the memories for my family. And so when we first moved to California, it was our first Christmas here in California. And Pastor Carrie and I thought, we have to make this a Christmas to remember. This has got to be so special for our kids. They will never forget it. And so we decided, we were a little crazy. We decided that we were gonna get Brooklyn and Avery, but really Brooklyn because she was the older one in that scenario. We were gonna get them a puppy, (sighs) a puppy for Christmas. It was like something out of a movie, right? At least that's how I created it in my head is that it would be something out of a movie. And so we had this plan and we adopted this little mutt and, and we went and found it and the lady agreed to keep it until Christmas Eve. And so on Christmas Eve, we went to pick up this little dog and it was so tiny and we took it home and the kids weren't gonna see it because we were determined that this was gonna be like something out of a movie. And so we were determined that they would open a box on Christmas morning with the puppy inside the box and everything would be magical. And so we kept the puppy like in her little crate wrapped up in blankets on our neighbor's back porch and Carrie and I would sneak over there and play with her and take her out. And and then that night when the kids went to bed, we brought the puppy into our room and we let the puppy sleep with us because it was like, we have to keep this puppy quiet so our kids don't know that it's here. And so we kept this little puppy in bed. We got up before the kids got up on Sunday morning, or not Sunday morning, Christmas morning. It may have been a Sunday. We got up and we got so excited because this was gonna be the moment to remember. And we took that little puppy and we took one of Avery's baby blankets. It was this soft, pink, fuzzy baby blanket that she'd had since she was little. And, and we wrapped the dog up in the blanket and we put it inside this wrapped Christmas box and and we were like shh puppy and we closed the lid and we put a bow on top and we were so excited to share this moment with our kids and listen this was not a Santa present because Santa was not going to get credit for this puppy Santa does not get credit for the best gifts that is mom and dad thank you very much and so when it came time, we brought this box out of our room and Carrie and I are on the edge of our seats because we love giving gifts and this was gonna be the best gift ever. And we had this box and we set it down in front of the kids and they were so excited and they began to rip into the box and tear off the paper and rip off the bow and they opened the lid and Carrie and I were on the edge of our seats and Brooklyn lets out a squeal. <sighs> and she's got like tears coming down her eyes and she's reaching in to grab this puppy and Avery, Let's out a scream. Ah, my blanket! <laughs> what? It's like apparently to make my child's Christmas, I just need to rewrap what she already owns. <laughs> totally destroyed the moment, but it was a memory that I will never forget. <laughs> 
there's something about picking out the perfect gifts and, and sharing gifts with your family and your friends. There's just something about that at Christmas, isn't it? But then also with that, there's the added stress of what that requires, right? Because there's the time that it requires to shop. And let's be honest, there is the money that it requires to shop. And then the stress of making sure that you don't forget anybody, any of your extended family that are gonna send you gifts that you're like, I better send them something. Or the friends that you're like, close friends, but you're not really sure if you're doing the Christmas gift exchange and then they bring you a gift and you're like, oh my gosh, I gotta give them a gift. Anybody else in the room or is this just me? And the whole idea behind the gifts that we give and the things that we do for the people that we love, it's, it's really to come from a grateful heart. The whole idea behind that is that I get to demonstrate my love for someone by the gifts that I give, right? But I feel like so often, especially during Christmas, we get caught up in the, the hustle and the bustle and the, the busyness, right? Like all the things that need to happen, the, the kids' performances and the Christmas parties and, and the shopping and the, all the details and the finances and the chaos. And it's like, there is so much to do. And then you combine that with all of the issues, external and internal, right? Because there's always something that happens right around Christmas. The car breaks down and I've got to pay to fix it or whatever it might be. There's all of the issues and the chaos. And I, I'm afraid that for many of us, we struggle with anxiety during this season, but maybe it's something we struggle with year round. We just dress it up for the holidays. I found this image on Instagram. I feel like they have a picture. It's almost time to switch from my everyday anxiety to my festive Christmas anxiety. <laughs> like, don't we do this? We, we might battle with anxiety often, but it's like at Christmas time, we, we dress it up and we try to put a smile on our face. Like, it's not a big deal. It's just Christmas. It just is what it is, right? But at Christmas, we're, we're really here to celebrate. We're here to celebrate the greatest gift that has ever been given. The greatest gift that has ever been given, the gift of Jesus. And the gift of Jesus, I, I just think sometimes we forget that the gift of Jesus wasn't just the gift of salvation. Although that's the greatest gift ever, right? This promise, this guarantee that in knowing Jesus that we can spend eternity one day with him in heaven. This gift of salvation. But the gift of Jesus was even more than that. The gift of Jesus was the gift of, of peace, of hope, of joy, of love. And I, I just wonder how often we allow the enemy to slip in kind of like the Grinch and steal the gifts. And the thing about the enemy is there's no turnaround story for him. His heart doesn't grow three sizes. His goal is to rob you of every gift that God would ever try to give you. And I wonder how often we allow him to do that, to steal the gifts that are so available to every single one of us through Jesus. So today, I, I wanna remind you about the gift that we received in Jesus. You know, in the book of Isaiah, chapter nine, verse six, there's a scripture that I love, and it says this, for unto us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I love that last part, the Prince of Peace. You see, one of the gifts that was given to us through Jesus was the gift of peace, 
the gift of peace. And I don't know about you, but I could use a little bit of the gift of peace in my life this season. You know, I thought I'd give you some interesting history on the word peace. You know, the word peace is familiar in in just about every single language. We hear about peace treaties and we hear about times of peace. and, And often we think of peace as the absence of war. And in the Bible, peace could point to the absence of conflict, but listen to this, it also points to the presence of something better in its place. Let me just say that again. Peace is more than just the absence of conflict. In the Bible, it points to something even better in its place. You know, in the Old Testament, the word for peace is the word shalom, shalom. And in the New Testament, the word in Greek is earin. I think I'm saying it correctly, earin. You know, the word shalom in Hebrew, it actually means complete or whole. So peace being shalom means something that is complete and something that is whole. In the Bible, it would often refer to like a stone that is complete with no nicks and no no breaks in it, or maybe a stone wall that is completely put together with no gaps and no missing bricks. It's complete, it's whole. Shalom refers to something that is complex with lots of pieces, something that's in the state of completeness or wholeness. You know, Job in the Bible, he refers to the fact that his tents are in the state of shalom because he's counted his flocks and all of his sheep are there. You know, shalom in the Bible can also refer to a person's well-being. You may be familiar with the story of David and Goliath. And when David went to the battlefield to check on his brothers, he asked them about their shalom. He asked them about their well-being. And the core idea of this is that life is complex. It's full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And any one of these out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. I just think every one of us can relate to this. When, when the shalom breaks down, life is no longer whole and it needs to be restored. Shalom is a verb means to make complete or to restore. In the Bible, Solomon brought shalom to the unfinished temple when he completed it. And then if you were in the Bible days and your animal damaged your neighbor's field, you would shalom them by bringing complete repayment for everything that was lost. So see, you take what's missing and you restore it to a place of wholeness or completeness. And in the book of Proverbs, it talks about relationships in this way. It says to reconcile or to heal a broken relationship is to bring shalom. And then when rival kingdoms would, would battle each other and they would make shalom, it didn't just mean that they would make peace and stop fighting. It means that they would begin to work together for the benefit of one another. And this was the state of shalom that all of Israel's kings were supposed to strive for, but it very rarely happened. So in the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah is looking forward to a day when there will be a prince of shalom. 
Isaiah 9, 6 says, for us, a child is born to us, a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, listen, Prince of Peace and of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Do you understand what Isaiah was saying? He was saying he will be called the Prince of Shalom and there will be no end of Shalom. So a time when God would make a covenant of shalom with his people. How good is this? This is what Isaiah is looking forward to and he would make right all the wrongs and heal all that was broken. And this is why when we see Jesus's birth in the New Testament, it's referred to as the arrival of Yarin, the arrival of shalom, the arrival of peace. Jesus came to offer peace to others and to lead a broken world to a place where they would be made whole again. How good is that? You see, Jesus made peace between a messed up human and a God, a creator in heaven when he died on the cross and he rose again. What he did is he restored wholeness he restored wholeness and broken relationships between humans and their creator. And this is why the apostle Paul can say in Ephesians 2.14, Jesus is Yarin. He was the full complete human that I was made to be, yet I failed to be. And now he gives me his life as a gift. Jesus came to reconcile us with God, bridging the gap between us and our sin. And Jesus came to soothe our anxieties and give us a sound mind. So the celebration of Christmas, listen everyone, the celebration of Christmas should remind us of peace, of peace. Jesus came to make us complete, whole, to restore us to this place of shalom, peace. And the gift of that is that we can be content and we can rest no matter what kind of chaos surrounds us. And I don't know about you, but when I look around, when I evaluate my own life, I find chaos in so many different situations. So many times chaos is external and it's things that happen to us, things that are outside of our control. And we feel the stress of that. Sometimes the chaos might just be, as we're getting ready to celebrate the holidays, the chaos might just be, I don't know how I'm going to do all of this. How am I going to make it all happen? The external realities, but oftentimes there's the internal chaos that's happening inside of us as well. For so many of us, when we think about Christmas, some of us have incredible memories, but there's people that are in this room. When you think about the holidays and you think about celebrating Christmas, it stirs up some uncomfortable memories and some uncomfortable feelings. There's many people who are here today that have experienced loss. And when you think about celebrating Christmas without the person who was there once before, it feels like chaos, feels like anxiety, it feels like a lack of peace. There's so many things that threaten to steal our peace and chaos looks different for all of us. You know, I, I told our, our church in a movement night recently that I've been, I've been taking a workout class and and it's called Bar, Bar 3. And um, it's interesting, but I really like it. <laughs> and one of the things they talk about in Bar 3 all the time is this thing called happy stress. Now, I have no idea what they are actually talking about when they talk about happy stress, because to me, no kind of stress is actually happy. But what they mean is this kind of stress that transforms in a meaningful way. 
this kind of stress that transforms in a meaningful way. And, and so one of the things that they'll have us do throughout the entire class is they'll have us do these different isometric holds. And the goal of these is to push your muscles to a state of fatigue. So what they'll do is they'll have you do something along the lines, I've never done this in heels before, but what they'll have you do is they'll have you kind of go up on your tiptoes and lift your heels. And then they're like, sink down. And just when you think you've sunk down low enough, they're like, and another inch. And so you sink another inch. Now, I know this doesn't look challenging to any of you right now. I know I look like I have it all together, but what's beginning to happen is my muscles are beginning to shake. And, and this is just the beginning, but we do this throughout the entire class. And the whole idea is to push your muscles to this state of fatigue. And then they'll have you like do this little thing where you're just standing and and it is exhausting. And what's happening is your body is under stress. And eventually, if I stay like this for too long, and you can probably tell now, you begin to shake. And eventually you begin to shake uncontrollably, like you look ridiculous. <laughs> and what this is, is it's your body attempting to break out of the hold. It's trying to get out of the discomfort. And so what happens is while we're in this place, the instructor is constantly saying, embrace the shakes embrace the shakes. And you're like, no. And they're like, find peace in the chaos. Excuse me, what? There is no peace in this chaos. And you're sitting here and your legs are shaking and you can hardly hold yourself up. And they're going, find your peace in the chaos. And you're like, there is no peace. And, and you're shaking, embrace the shakes. And I have to, in order to hold this position, I have to constantly be reminding myself physically, this is not going to kill me. In the worst case scenario, I'm going to collapse and fall down. And I can get back up again. And if I can't, someone will carry me out. I'm going to be okay. I'm self-talking. David did this in the Bible, right? He's like, encourage yourself in the Lord. And so I'm going to encourage myself that I can make it. But oftentimes, the this is getting exhausting. Oftentimes, the teacher will tell you to pick a point in the room and to gaze at it, to find your point and to gaze at it, fix your attention on a point in the room. And so you're gazing at it and you're holding it and you're shaking uncontrollably and you're embracing the chaos and the stress, right? Because what it's doing, my goodness, I'm gonna have to drink water. <laughs> what it's doing is it's making you stronger. So that happy stress is knowing that in the middle of what feels like it's gonna take you out, it's actually going to produce a new strength inside your body. You see, the Bible gives us similar advice. I've got to breathe. <laughs> that was like only a minute too. We do that for an hour. Isaiah 26.3 tells us, you keep him at perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Hebrews 12, one through two says, let us run with endurance this race that God has set before us. And how do we do it? Keeping our eyes on Jesus, eyes on Jesus. You know, just like our instructor is telling us, embrace the chaos, embrace the shakes, find peace in the chaos. How do we do that? They say, find a point in the room and gaze at it. Well, the Bible tells us when we're dealing with stress, when we're dealing with anxiety, when we're battling fear, the way that we get to deal with this is we get our eyes on Jesus, eyes on Jesus. He will keep him at perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on him because he trusts him. There's something about getting our eyes on Jesus 
But you know, so often our flesh is telling us something different. Because when I'm in those holds in class, let me just tell you, I'm like, I paid to be here. I do not have to do this. And very often I'm standing back up and I'm starting to give up and they're like, come on, you can do it. And it's like, fine, and go back into that position again. Because often my flesh is going, I cannot. I cannot endure. There is no way I continue, can continue in this position. And I think so often that every single one of us, when we battle anxiety, when we're dealing with fear, when we're feeling pressure, our flesh would tell us, you know, just give up. You need to just quit. You need to back out. Or it might tell us, you're not going to make it through this. And we begin to allow those fears and those anxieties to have control because often we think we have better ideas of how to deal with our lack of peace. So often we'll go looking to deal with our lack of peace through other people or other things. But yet the scripture tells us eyes on Jesus. Eyes on Jesus. When we keep our eyes on Jesus, he will keep us at perfect peace no matter what the chaos is. The gift of Jesus is the gift of shalom, the gift of wholeness, the gift of completeness. So we've got to get our eyes on him. You know, it's interesting because Jesus' disciples in the book of Mark chapter 4, if you want to turn there, you can or follow along in the notes. In the book of Mark chapter 4, we see Jesus with his disciples. Y'all got to bear with me. That bar is hard work. We see Jesus with his disciples and, and they have just gotten into a boat and Jesus has said, we're going to go to the other side. And what's happened is Jesus has just been teaching for a long time. He's been teaching and instructing the people and he's been instructing his disciples. There is nobody who knew Jesus better than the disciples knew Jesus. But yet what's good for us to know is that even the disciples struggled to understand shalom. Even the disciples struggled to grasp the idea of peace. So what we find is that Jesus is ready to go and he says to them in the scripture, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus into the boat and it began to fill with, oh, took Jesus into the boat and they started out leaving the crowds behind. But soon a fierce storm came up. dun da 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 a fierce storm came up. Can we turn the screen? High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. So here we are, they've gone out on the boat and they're going to the other side and they got, they got ready, they're with Jesus and they're out on the boat and all of a sudden a storm arises and the boat begins to fill with water. So what is actually happening in this scenario is that chaos is breaking loose, right? And so here they are and they had just finished this whole day with the disciples and with Jesus teaching and they had spent all this time with the creator of heaven and earth. They knew who Jesus was. They'd spent all this time with him and they were a little bit tired and they're going to the other side of the lake. And Jesus has said, we're going to go to the other side. And I'm sure they were looking forward to a moment of rest and of peace. And have you ever been there where you've been looking forward to a moment where you might be able to just breathe again? And it's like, it kind of looks like it's on the horizon and you take a deep breath and you're like, okay, finally, this is gonna be a good season. Okay, Christmas is coming. Finally, things are gonna slow down and we can celebrate. And all of a sudden, you're going into this anticipated time of peace and chaos breaks loose. Has anybody ever been there? The scripture continues on and it says, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. 
in the middle of chaos, Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat. And so the disciples, they woke him up and they were shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? And it wasn't just that they, they were just trying to wake him up. No, they were literally concerned that they were going to drown and that he was going to drown with them. It was like everything they knew about Jesus went out the window at that moment because they were panicked and afraid. And I don't know about you, but I've been in a place like that, like the disciples where I've been crying out to God and I've gone, Jesus, do you not care? Do you not care that my heart is broken? I've had the moments where I've cried out to God and I've said, Jesus, do you not care that my dad is dying? Do you not care that my marriage is exhausting? I don't know about you, but I just wonder if any of you can relate to that feeling of being in the boat and the chaos breaking out and you going, God, do you not see this? Are you asleep? Do you not care that I'm facing this chaos and this crisis? And here's where the disciples were. They're in this moment where they're going, do you not know that we're about to die? And Jesus wakes up. And when Jesus wakes up, he immediately rebukes the wind and the waves. And he says, peace, be still. Peace, be still. And do you know what happened? Suddenly there was a great calm. Suddenly there was a great calm and the wind stopped. And he said to the disciples, why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And I just, that question to me reminds me, what is my default position? You know, last week, Pastor Kerry preached a message about our default position, our natural response, and, and how we need to shift that. And I just wonder what my default position is, what your default position is. Do you respond to the chaos in your world and the stress and the things that you face from a position of fear, from a position of feeling overwhelmed and stressed and like you're just not gonna make it through. I don't know about you, but often that can be my response. And here we have the disciples who have spent all of their time with Jesus. If anybody knew Jesus, the disciples knew Jesus. And yet their default position was this position of fear, this position of anxiety. How is this gonna work out? And Jesus said, Listen, he had told them, let's go to the other side. He was going to get them there. And I just wonder, had they forgotten who was with them? Listen, Movement Church, I just want to challenge you. Peace is not the absence of storms, but it's rather realizing the presence of Jesus in the storms. This is where we find shalom. This is where we find peace. It's not the absence of the storm. It's finding the fact that Jesus is with me in the middle of it. This is why Jesus taught his disciples in John chapter 16, verse 33. He said, I've said these things to you. I've taught you all these things so that in me, you might have peace. In, listen, in me, Jesus is saying, in me, you might have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And then he tells them this in John chapter 14, he makes them this promise. And he tells them about the promise of the Holy Spirit. He says, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. 
Listen, this is the God that we serve. And Jesus had been teaching this to his disciples and he's still trying to teach it to us today. That in the middle of the storms, in the middle of the chaos, peace is still available to you and me. No matter what we might be walking through, no matter what we might be facing, whether it's external or internal inside of our minds, peace is available for you and me. And it's the peace that Jesus gives. It's not peace that is found in our surroundings. It's the peace that comes from who Jesus is. So I want to tell you five things today that you can remember and you can learn about peace. So if you're taking notes, I would challenge you to write it down. And the first one is this, peace comes when you realize how much he cares. Peace comes when you realize how much he cares. Psalm 100 says this, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us. We are his We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. You know, in the scripture, Jesus often told a story, a parable of a shepherd who had sheep and he had a hundred sheep and 99 of them were there, but one had gone missing and the shepherd goes to look for that sheep. Why? Because he cared about the one, about the individual. So when we hear that scripture and we understand that we are like the sheep of God's pasture, that no matter your story, no matter your past, you are loved. And Jesus cares about the details of your life and he's willing to go to every limb to care for you. No matter what you might be facing, peace comes when we begin to grasp and understand that he cares. Matthew chapter six tells us, don't be anxious about anything. It tells us, don't be anxious about anything. Listen, don't worry about what you're gonna eat or what you're gonna wear. Does God not care for the lilies of the field and how much more do you think he cares about you? So quit worrying about tomorrow. Today has enough worries of its own. It continues, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Listen, when we begin to realize how much Jesus cares and we get our eyes off of the external circumstances and just like in bar, we get our eyes off the external circumstances and we fix our attention on who Jesus is, peace begins to come. Number two, peace comes not by more movement, but by more rest. So many of us are tempted when we're feeling a lack of peace, when we're feeling stress and anxiety creeping in. So many of us are tempted to fix the problem. What can I do to fix this situation right now so I can get back to a place of feeling good? We're tempted to do and do and do and strive. What can I do to fix this feeling of a lack of peace? But listen, peace comes not by more movement, but by more rest. And that doesn't just mean that I go and sit on the couch and kick my feet up. I just got to rest all the time. That's what the pastor said. No, this place of rest, it's this internal place we operate from. We might be in the middle of doing the life that God's called us to live, but it's this place of rest where we're recognizing we can trust Him. Matthew 11, 28 through 30 says this, are you tired? And I would just ask that of some of you in the room this morning. Are you tired? The scripture says worn out, burned out on religion, maybe burned out on this coming in and out of church, but never experiencing the transformation that's available to us through Jesus. It says, come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. I love this part. Walk with me, 
Work with me. Watch how I do it. It's an invitation from Jesus to you and to me. Walk with me, work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Listen to me, church, so many of you. You've been striving and, and trying so hard in your own power and your own strength to solve the problems, to deal with the stress, to, to just do something today that might make it better tomorrow. And I just wanna challenge you. Peace comes not by more movement, but by more rest. And rest is found in the presence of Jesus. I love the scripture in Proverbs 3, 5. It's not even in my notes, but it's my favorite. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. But yet how often do we rely on our own understanding? In all my ways, acknowledge Him, fix my eyes on Him, and He will direct my path. I love this. The scripture continues, it says, keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. Listen, peace comes not by more movement, but by more rest. Peace comes when you recognize how much he cares. Number three, peace comes when you speak to the storm. When the disciples woke up Jesus in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of that feeling of anxiety and fear, when the disciples woke up Jesus in that moment, they were desperate because they were in a situation where they didn't know what to do. And Jesus, when he woke up, he spoke to the storm. He said, peace, be still. And the winds ceased and peace filled the sea. It's time to speak to the storm. There are some things that you may be in this room today that you've been just accepting. You've been going, it is what it is. It is what it is. And you feel the overwhelming fears and anxieties creeping in. And you feel like giving up and you feel this lack of hope. And you've just been accepting this place where you're at. But yet Jesus, he rebuked the storm. And that word rebuke is to take authority over that storm. Jesus rebuked the storm and he said, peace, be still. And some of you need to learn. Some of us need to learn how to speak to the storms. How to go, no more. No, I will not. I will not live my life in the chains of fear any longer. I will not constantly be overwhelmed by the worst case scenarios. No, you know why? Because God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Some of us have to learn how to begin to speak to the storms. When we're facing a health crisis, Instead of just accepting and walking through the motions to begin to stand on the scripture that says, by his stripes, I am healed. His will for me is life in my body and health in my bones. I take authority over that in Jesus' name. Listen, you have been given the gift of Jesus, the gift of peace. And peace comes when we begin to speak to the storm. Peace comes when we begin to speak to the storm. Number four, peace comes when you allow him to turn your fear into faith. Peace comes when you allow God to turn your fear into faith. I love the verse in Romans chapter 4, 19 through 25. It's talking about Abraham. And it says, he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body. 
which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Listen to this line, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. I just wonder if we could allow God to begin to turn the fear into faith. If we could become fully convinced that God is able to do what he says he can do. Could we become fully convinced? Could we allow Jesus to fill us with that kind of hope this Christmas season? Number five, peace comes when you remember exactly who he is. Peace comes when you remember exactly who he is. Isaiah 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. See, I just wonder how many of us today need a little more peace. And I'd like to take a moment and just pray for every single one of us in the room And I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. Nobody looking around. And if you're here today and you would acknowledge, you know, I need a little more peace. Would you just slip your hand up so I know who I'm praying for all around the room? And let's pray a prayer of faith this morning. Believing that God is the God of peace. Jesus brought the gift of shalom. He is everything that we need. And he'll fill us with a peace that surpasses all of our understanding. So God, all across this room today for every single person who's here, God, I know that it's not by accident that anyone walked through the doors this morning. So God, in the name of Jesus, I just ask that you would fill this room with your peace. God, I love that the scripture refers to it as a peace that passes all understanding because God, we can't understand it. But God, we just stand in faith today, realizing that you are all we need. God, we fix our attention on you. God, all of the chaos that surrounds us, whether it be external issues, pressure, finances, broken down relationships, marriages that are on the rock. God, you know the struggles that are represented in this room this morning. God, you know the exhaustion that your people are feeling. And so God, I pray that right now in the name of Jesus, that you would fill your people with your gift of peace. God, I thank you that you are all we need. And we fix our attention on you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now listen, everybody, before before we go, I I just want to talk to somebody in the room. And maybe, maybe it's you who you identify with this need and this desire for peace. Listen, we every Sunday, we never leave church on a Sunday morning without giving every single one of us an opportunity to know who Jesus is. You know, this this gift of peace that I would share about today comes from knowing Jesus. And I don't know your story, where you come from, what your experience has been. Maybe you walked in the room today. Maybe you're just struggling with faith and the idea of who God is. Maybe you've been wrestling with that. And I just want to challenge you that the gift of Jesus was the gift of peace, the gift of hope, the gift of joy, the gift of love. But listen, it's the gift of salvation. 
When we read about shalom, it talked about bringing us into a state of wholeness and completeness, reconciling the brokenness that was caused because of our sin that separates us from God. The Bible says sin separates us from God, but listen, the gift of Jesus is the gift of life because Jesus came to pay the ultimate price for you and for me to say, no matter your story, no matter your past, you are loved. And Jesus bridged the gap between us and God. And if you're here today and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, I just want to challenge you, today is your day. It's not a good feeling. It's not a good vibe. It's a vibe. It's a decision that we make. And so I'd like to take a moment and to pray with us. And maybe you're here and you made that decision a long time ago, but you've been running from God. I would just challenge you. It's time to come back. And we're going to pray a prayer. And it, it's simply an invitation to say, Jesus, I want you to be in charge of my life. And as we do that, what we're doing is we're saying, I'm aligning my attention and my focus on you. God, you're in control. And I believe that in the midst of that, as we keep our eyes on him, he will keep us at perfect peace. So I'd like to pray for some people in the room this morning. And I'm going to ask you, would you just bow your heads one more time with me? And if you're here and that's you, and if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, or maybe it's just been a long time and you need to come back, I'd like to pray a prayer with you. And I'm not going to ask you to get out of your seat. I'm not going to ask you to pray out loud. This is between you and God. But if that's you, would you pray this prayer in your own heart, in your own mind? Say, dear God, I know that I've messed up. I've been trying to do this all on my own. And today I ask that you would forgive me. Today I'm making a decision to follow you. And all around this room, if that's you and this is the decision you're making, let these words be the cry of your heart. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Please email us at info at theocmovement.com. And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Please send us an email at info at theocmovement.com. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.